The comedian John Lovitz is joining a chorus of entertainers speaking out against cancel culture. And while his heart is in the right place, his argument is weak. In a recent interview, Lovett said the cancel culture is no different than McCarthyism, but that isn't true. There are lots of differences between cancel culture and McCarthyism, most notably the fact that cancel culture is bad. That would be a big difference. Conservatives have spent a long time saying yes to the left, to the libertarians, to the libertines, to the foreign nationals, to the multinationals, to other nations, and worst of all, to the radicals who want to upend our entire way of life. If we want to win, if we want to at least stop losing, conservatives need to learn to say no. CNN is trying to mainstream another sexual deviant. The Squishes are defending critical race theory. And the Federal Reserve is trying to cancel the Founding Fathers. What do we say to that? Just say no. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Just say Knowles. No, Knowles, knows. I don't know. Maybe there's a relation. My favorite comment yesterday from Josh Kelly, who says, man, I bet Putin is steaming. Biden just called him a worthy adversary. I'll give Biden one thing. He sure knows how to hit a man below the belt. I know. Thank you for picking up on this. This is one of the most preposterous claims of the left amid many preposterous claims. They claim that babies aren't babies. They claim that men are women. And yet one of the most preposterous claims they make is that they're the ones that are tough on Russia. They just spent a century sucking up to Russian communists at every turn, covering up for Russian communists in their newspapers, trying to create alliances with them politically, trying to pursue detente with them. And now Republicans are the ones who collude with Russia. Absolutely preposterous. You know, it's important to have a strong memory. It's important to remember what happened in the past. And if you want to preserve your past, you got to check out Legacy Box. Legacy Box is a super simple mail-in service to have all your videotapes, camcorder tapes, film reels, and pictures digitally preserved on a thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud. You've got tapes. You've got photos. They are uh, wasting away. They are becoming very degraded. Preserve them digitally. Legacy Box is a great way for you to easily and affordably do that. The process is so simple from start to finish. You pack and send. Their team digitizes everything by hand. You enjoy. Legacy Box is the world's largest digitizer of home movies and photos. It's helped over 850,000 families digitally preserve their past. We are conservatives, at least in my household. We like our past. We like to think about our history. We want to preserve that toward the future. Win the Favorite Kid Award this Father's Day with Legacy Box. Get started preserving your family's legacy today. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Knowles to get an incredible 50% off your first order. Buy today to take advantage of this exclusive offer. Send it in when you're ready. Legacy Box, great for you or someone you love. LegacyBox.com slash Knowles. Save 50% while supplies last. Cancel culture is just like McCarthyism. No, it's not. If you want to uh, hear a strong defense of Joe McCarthy and McCarthyism and anti-communism. You can check that out in my upcoming book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available for pre-order for one more week. One more week, and then the book will be coming out. I feel like I've been shilling this book for approximately 15 years now, but it is finally coming out. There is still a very limited amount of time to get your signed first edition copy through pre-order at Premier Collectibles. That would be one big difference. Obviously, cancel culture is different than McCarthyism. For one example, the people who are being canceled are very different. The views that are being canceled are very different. One view, pretty pro-American. One view, pretty anti-American. John Lovett says, we can't do that. 
He says, quote, as soon as you say to a comedian like me, you can't say that. The first thing in my head is, oh, and now I have to. Okay, you'll hear a lot of comedians say this, and it makes perfect sense. You push boundaries, you say things that are taboo and incongruous, and that gets a laugh. Uh, but does that mean that you should just be able to say whatever you want at any time for without any question or limitation? Not even John Lovett says that. In his very next breath, he says, oh, yeah, and, and now I have to. I've got to say the thing you tell me I can't say, but, but. There's a difference between making jokes and being outright mean. So he's saying even for him, even for a comedian, there are limits to what he will say. Of course, there are always limits. Every society has taboos. The question is not, do you have taboos or do you not have taboos? That's a, that's a stupid question because we're always going to have taboos. We're always going to say some things are off limits. I know that there are some idealistic, utopian, libertarian, I don't, I don't know what term you want to use, who say, no, there's no limits whatsoever, but it's just silly. That's not true. That has never been true. That never will be true. Even the comedians are admitting there are limits. So what are those limits going to be? Over in Iowa, the governor has just banned critical race theory. There have been multiple bans you've seen in Florida. You've seen it in a lot of places right now. Critical race theory. Theory. Kim Reynolds, governor of, of Iowa, signed that bill that, that says that if you teach in such a way as to assign fault, blame, or bias to a race or sex or to members of a race or sex because of their race or sex, you can't do that in the classroom. Good stuff. I strongly support that. Critical race theory, of course, a derivation of critical theory, which is a huge part of the politically correct slash woke project that has brought us to our current state of censorship which you can read about in my upcoming book, Speechless Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, which is available now for pre-order. The, the point here is we need to dig in. It's not enough to say, yes, you say this. Yes, you do that. Yes, whatever you want. We're the party of freedom. Freedom, much like poetry, requires limitations. That's where the freedom and the flourishing comes from. Now, there are some misguided conservatives and former conservatives who are saying this is terrible. You've got to be very careful you shouldn't be banning critical race theory in the classroom. The founding fathers are rolling over in their graves. First of all, the founding fathers banned all this sorts of stuff, okay? So let's not forget, within just a few years of the existence of our republic, our second president and one of our most conservative presidents, John Adams, passed the Alien and Sedition Acts, which criminalized making false statements about the federal government. Parts of those laws still exist today. A lot of it was, was gotten rid of, but some of it still exists today. There are all sorts of laws that have proscribed this kind of speech. But now we are to believe that critical race theory is just the sort of thing that Americans must defend. Of course, you're hearing this from people such as David French, who are former Republicans or former conservatives who are now, I don't know how, how David would describe himself now, but he spends most of his time, you'll notice, criticizing people on the right. Um, you're, you're also hearing this, though, from quite serious conservative professors. I'm thinking of Robbie George at Princeton who has been a conservative leader for many years. He's done very good work. I don't agree with him on everything, but he's done very good work. He tweeted out, quote, and it would seem that this is in direct response to the critical race theory bans. He tweeted out, it's quite simple. No view or school of thought is banned. No view or school of thought is given a monopoly, formerly or informally, or immunized from criticism. Views and schools of thought are defended and criticized by giving reasons, providing evidence, or making arguments. That is simply not true. That is not true. I can't tell if, 
if Robbie George knows that this is not true, but is trying to carve out some space in the university for conservative points of view. He's done a very good job of that at Princeton. So maybe he's trying to pretend that what he just said is true so that the liberals are more likely to give him some space to run, for instance, the James Madison program or, or to hire more conservative faculty members. I don't know. If that's the case, tactically, it's probably smart. But as a, an objective matter, what he just said is not true. There are plenty of views that are completely off limits. That are There are plenty of views that are given a monopoly, actually, in various institutions. Uh, and and all those views tend to just be derivations of the broader leftist ideology. Many of them, and some are immunized from criticism, and some are prohibited. As Bill Buckley famously stated in God and Man at Yale, the Yale Department of Sociology would never hire an Aryan supremacist to teach about the glories of white people in the university, nor should they. That the university would not do that, they should not do that. That view is prohibited. Many, many views are prohibited from the university, as they must be. The university has a mission. All classrooms have a mission. They teach some things, and by teaching some things, they exclude other things. If you teach that 2 plus 2 equals 4, you are necessarily teaching that 2 plus 2 does not equal 5. This is true in history, philosophy, religion, ethics, science, everything. Okay. Now, interestingly, I think David French makes the the more sophisticated criticism here of the critical race theory bans. He's saying, look, some of these critical race theory bans are so broad that you're going to end up shooting yourself in the foot and banning speech that even you would support. So some of the critical race theory bans are creating uh, protections from from criticism in the classroom for religions, for uh, other things that are that are creeds, whatever that means. So if you have a protection for a creed, is that protecting communism from criticism? Obviously, we wouldn't want to do that. So I actually agree with David French's criticism there. You want to be very specific. We're not banning from the classroom all sorts of criticism of all sorts of things. We are specifically banning this radical, stupid, ugly, false theory called critical race theory, which is a derivation of the broader critical theory product project. What is critical race theory? We all use this term and yet people don't seem to know what it means. Well, you can read the academic literature on it. It's developed by this woman, Kimberly Crenshaw, or a number of other people who have contributed to this particular subset of critical theory. But it's probably easier just to watch a video on what critical theory looks like in action. Here is Ashley Shackelford, a quote, queer, agender, black, fat, femme writer, artist, and cultural producer. She is giving a lesson through the analytical lens of critical race theory to a group of deluded and poor white people. I think it's sort of a mixed, mixed crowd here. This is what CRT looks and sounds like in practice. White people are racist. So <laughs> I put this up because I really want any white person in the room to know up front that this is what we're dealing with, that it's not going to be this coddling of white tears and what that looks like. We're not going to discuss, oh, maybe some of us have worked it out. No, you're always going to be racist, actually. So even when you're on your path to trying to figure out how to be a better human being, um, because I believe that white people are born into not being human, like that actually instead of people of color and black folks being dehumanized, that actually everyone is dehumanized off rip within white supremacy, that y'all are born into a life to not be human, and that's what y'all are taught to do, to be demons. So in this particular way, white people are all racist. There you have it. There's the lesson. Did you take notes? I hope you took notes. 
so that you can crumple them up and throw them in the fire. This sort of stuff is not just valueless. This sort of woman doesn't just have nothing of value to say. This sort of stuff is bad for your brain. It's bad for your mind. It's anti-education. It's making you dumber and less well-behaved and less sophisticated. It needs to be banned from the classroom like you would ban poison from your recipes. It is so, so stupid. There is no free marketplace. First of all, there is no free marketplace of ideas in the classroom, period. That's a hoax. That's a farce. Another insight of William F. Buckley Jr., People set the curricula. The Harvard law professor, Adrian Vermeule, just pointed this out the other day. He said, for the love of God, people, the high school classroom is not the free marketplace of ideas. It's a place to convey certain information and to convey education, a coercive act with curricula that are set by school boards and by politicians and by administrators. It is not the, this free-flowing place of debate. That's not how it works in practice. It's not even how it works in theory. You need, you need to say no. I know we only want to say yes and be the nice, inclusive guys. To something like critical race theory, to all white people are racist and they're demons, you have to say no. Now, when you do want a thriving marketplace, especially for auto auto parts, I would strongly recommend checking out rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is so much easier than walking into a store and someone demanding quick answers to things like, hey, is your car a ZT72 2018 or a PX? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what kind of car my, my I have a gray car. That's my car. What do you go? Then they go into the back. They don't have any of the parts anyway. They go online, they go to rockauto.com and then they charge you twice as much, right? I think that's what happens. That's, I, I would imagine. Skip that skip. Go on over to rockauto.com right now. This is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers with a catalog so simple and easy to navigate. Even I can do it. They got the same prices for pros like me and do-it-yourselfers like you. They don't vary the price day by day with some gimmicky nonsense. Always reliably low stuff. Head on over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and then write Knowles, Canada WLES in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. What is being taught in our classrooms, not just elementary, middle, high school, not just certain kooky universities. What is being taught in the Ivy League, what is supposed to be the pinnacle, the elite of American education, is so radical that a defector from North Korea has been scandalized by the brainwashing in those classrooms. So I went to Columbia University in 2016. I transferred from South Korean University. So when I was at school, though, you know, I was excited about like learning about history and you know how the people thought back then. And one of the person at the orientation was asking, "Who like loves Jane Austen and and who reads these classical books?" And I was like, "I love those books. I just like thought it was a good thing, right?" And then she was like. Did you know that those writers who had a colonial mindset were racist and bigots wrote their books? So they are uh, subconsciously brainwashing you. And that's like when I realized, wow, this is insane. And like, I literally thought, I thought America was that different. And I just saw so much similarity that I saw in North Korea. And I was started worrying about this country. Mainstream education is 
purposefully designed now make resent this Western democracy. So <laughs> pretty startling <laughs> observations from a Korea from the most repressive regime on earth who says, good grief, man, this place is pretty bad at the university. This woman has survived the most deluded brainwashed regime on the planet. And she says, man, this brainwashing at the university this really gives old Kim Jong-un a run for his money. And that's true. Now, what she, I think, fails to recognize is what, it's the same mistake that so many conservatives, they tend to be the squishy types of conservatives, fail to recognize, which is they say, this typical expression, we shouldn't teach students what to think. We should teach them how to think. Sure. But you can't teach someone how to think unless you teach them what to think. You can't teach them how to think about calculus if you don't teach them that 2 plus 2 equals 4, to get back to our earlier example. You can't teach them how to think about history until you teach them that America declares dependence in 1776 and the Civil War breaks out in 1860 and Ronald Reagan gets elected in 1980. Tell them how to think about these things until you tell them certain facts about it. And when you tell them facts, you're stating this is true and this is false. Here is what you should think. That's a fact. Figure it out, get used to it, or keep losing ground. A topic I discuss at great length in my upcoming book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. Only only seven more days of pre-order. Oh my gosh. There is always going to be a perspective. There is always going to be a, a bias. Now, Sometimes that perspective is closer to the truth. Sometimes that perspective is further away from the truth. Sometimes there are different perspectives on the same event and they have considerable or comparable value. Sometimes one perspective is correct and one perspective is incorrect. I'll give you an example of bias because it's not just at, in some classroom at Brown University. It's in, a, it's in the Federal Reserve, for goodness sakes. The Federal Reserve has now discouraged the use of offensive words such as, wait for it, founding fathers. No, not the N word, not the this word, not the, I mean, I assume those are banned too, but no, the F word, the two F words, founding fathers, the Federal Reserve now says, no bueno. Quote, try to avoid words and phrases that may be considered offensive, pejorative, or prejudiced, whatever that. The transformation of the word prejudice from something that is actually quite good and reliable in the sense used by Edmund Burke to this awful, evil, terrible thing is an amazing transformation in and of itself. But they say these words can distract your audience from the ideas or information you're trying to convey. Uh, The bias terms to be avoided include blacklist, can't do that. It's offensive to black people. Grandfathered, that you can't do that. That's a racist term too. How uh, we, we would need some more time to describe that silliness. And founding fathers. Uh, also, I- instead of that, you should use terms like denied instead of blacklist, legacy instead of grandfather, and founders instead of founding fathers. Because if you said founding fathers, that would imply that virtually all of the fo- founders were men. And that's true, but it's offensive apparently, so you're not allowed to say it. Uh, The Fed also says that the terms whitelisted, it's bad, it's racist, manpower, sexist, man-made, sexist, even though man is a gender-neutral term, in the beginning God created man, both male and female, he created them. Nope, not allowed to say that. 
uh, singular generic pronouns are to be avoided. So if you say, hey, uh, I like John. He's a nice guy. Boom. Nope. Sorry. Time to come in for re-education. You should say, according to them, they to refer to one person. I like John. They is a nice person. You're supposed to say that. Unless you speak like somebody who's, who has never taken an English class in his life, you are apparently giving offense. Why? So that you don't convey bias in your language. You know, when I read these terms, these new terms that the, the Fed wants to use, they seem pretty biased to me. The bias, especially on the singular use of they, the bias being against grammar. It's anti-grammar. It's nonsense supremacist. The bias being in favor of radical gender ideology that says that there's no difference between men and women. The bias being in favor of this radical idea that America is a wicked, awful, terrible, sexist, racist, awful, whatever place. That's a bias. That's a radical bias. So let's try to get the bias out of that language. How could you do it? You're not allowed to use the one term because it's biased. You're not allowed to use the other term because it's biased. There's always going to be, it would seem, some kind of perspective conveyed. There is no such thing as neutrality. That is the, the worst error that the squishes have foisted on us over the last 15 or 20 years is the lie that secular liberalism is somehow a neutral playing field on which conservatives and the left and the right and the left, they can just sort of equally duke it out. No, we're playing on the left's ground. We're accepting all of their most important premises. So no wonder that we're going to lose. And unfortunately, many of the squishes, I think, would prefer to lose. They feel much better about losing with dignity, they say. They're very undignified. They feel better about that because they don't need to take on any moral risk because they, they don't exhibit courage. But there's always going to be some kind of bias and it's never going to end. The revolution is going to eat itself. Even Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, once the most trusted, best, best liked man in the country, according to polls, is canceled. He is, or they're at least trying to cancel him. Tom Hanks is a super lib, super duper lib. Raises money for Democrats. He just recently, just a, a couple of weeks ago, wrote a neurotic essay for the New York Times about the Tulsa race riot and how white people need to feel bad or something. But he's not, he's not anti-racist, the left contends. He's not racist, but he's not anti-racist. And frankly, if you ask me, that's just as bad as being a racist. Race, race, race. I don't even know, I don't even know what that means anymore. Now, in the author's defense, the author who accused Tom, Cruz, uh, Tom Hanks rather of not being anti-racist. Tom Hanks is the father of Chet Hanks, and Chet Hanks did formally declare White Boy Summer. Hey guys, um, look, I just wanted to tap in really quick. I just got this feeling, man, um, that this summer is uh, it's about to be a white boy summer. You know, take it how you want. I'm not talking about like Trump, uh, you know, NASCAR type white. I'm talking about, you know, you know, me, um, John B, Jack Harlow type white boy summer. You know what I mean? Let me know if you guys uh, can vibe with that and uh, get ready, you know, because I am. Yeah, I am too, Chet. I, man, Chet, sign me up. I don't, do I count? I don't know. I'm a little, especially during the summer, I get quite, quite dark. So I, but if I can be vibing, with you and Mr. Harlow, and then absolutely sign me up. Watching that video, I, I do wonder, 
have Chet and Tom Hanks ever spoken to one another? Can you imagine, can you just close your eyes and imagine a situation in which Chet and Tom Hanks have a conversation? Because I, I can't imagine that, but I would very much like to. It is, it would be a very funny company. So anyway, okay. Chet Hanks, the founder of White Boy Summer, <laughs> is uh, Tom's son. But that's not why. That is not the reason that the left is angry at Tom Hanks for not being anti-racist. The reason is that in his career, his gigantic, long-lasting film career, Tom Hanks has played white people who do the right thing. You know, when you want to make sure that you protect your home from people who want to do the wrong thing, you got to check out Ring. There are thousands of reasons why protecting your home should matter to you. Here's one for me, my cute little newborn baby, June, little June and sweet little Elisa. I want to make sure that she's protected. And sometimes I'm on the road, so I want to be able to check in at my house. I want my wife to be able to check in and know who is on the doorstep before she opens the door. And you know what helps you do that? Ring. Ring can protect every inch of your house. And you can see and speak to who's ever on your doorstep, whether you are in the house, whether you are at the office, whether you are on the road in the middle of the country. That is what Ring will give you. It is frankly just peace of mind and great stuff to give you peace of mind and for your friends. You know, if, if your friend is moving into a new home, nice housewarming gift, a nice Father's Day gift. Uh, very impressive stuff will keep your friends and family safe and most importantly, not that expensive. So it will save you uh, money and you'll get to give a very good product. To get the Ring Alarm for yourself, go to ring.com slash Knowles to start your Ring experience. Ring.com slash Knowles. You can build the system yourself. Have it up and running in minutes. That is ring.com slash Knowles. Ring.com slash Knowles. If you want to read about authoritarianism, you got to check out Ben's new book, The Authoritarian Moment. That is the title of Ben's new book and also the slogan of my future political campaign, The Authoritarian Moment. Ben tells you how we got here as a society, how we can fight back. It's a great book to pre-order right after you pre-order Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, which is very good. It's really good as a second pre-order at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any other major bookseller. Also, my friend Georgia Howe has a new show, Office Hours. It's available as a podcast from discussing critical race theory with James Lindsay to transgenderism with Abigail Schreier. Her show offers a wealth of incredible information from some of America's most important voices. Subscribe and download Office Hours with Georgia Howe on Apple Podcasts, or whatever your platform of choice may be. Go check it out. We'll be right back with a lot more. This article going around saying that Tom Hanks is not an anti-racist. That is why the left is upset with him right now. This is the thesis. This is his big transgression. Quote, over the years, Tom Hanks has starred in a lot of big movies about historical events, including Saving Private Ryan, Greyhound, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, Bridge of Spies, and News of the World. He has served as a producer or executive producer on even more films and TV shows based on American history, including Band of Brothers, The Pacific, John Adams, and From the Earth to the Moon. He was an executive producer of documentaries such as The Assassination of President Kennedy and The 60s on CNN. In other words, he is a baby boomer star who has built a sizable part of his career on stories about American white men doing the right thing. And that, that's the problem, apparently. Apparently, right now, in our culture, 
It is not permissible to believe that white men can do the right thing. Because this apparently erases, that's the, that's the verb they like, it erases black voices and the voices of women. And do you remember uh, some years ago now, not that long ago, there was the Daniel Day-Lewis Lincoln movie. And this was protested by people on the far left because it suggested that Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves, which obviously he did. <laughs> but they didn't like that because the far left said, no, 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 the slaves freed themselves. You're erasing the contributions of black people and women and whoever, I don't know, whoever. Tibetans, I don't, I don't think they were involved, but it's got to be everybody other than a white guy. And it's just not true. Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. He did it. It was him. It was basically only him. It was him and all the soldiers, overwhelmingly white, who he called into battle. That's what happened. That's a nice thing, isn't that? In a, in a society where we think about our past, we think about our future, we're bound together as countrymen, isn't that a nice thing to say one group of people did a thing for another group of people? But we're not allowed to believe that anymore because everything has to be focused only on one, the tyranny of our own will and our own ability to save ourselves without accepting grace from anybody else. And everything has to be about vicious racism and division. And no group of people can ever do anything to another group, for another group of people. Tom Hanks canceled, at least according to the far left. He'll probably survive it. He's powerful enough. But the, the thesis, I think, is much more widespread. Kevin Hart pointed this out how silly this is. I guess on the topic of cancel culture, because Kevin Hart famously was going to host the Oscars, and then they dug up some gay joke he made 10 years ago, and apparently Kevin Hart, you know, is the only comedian who ever made a gay joke, right? I I mean, I know that statistically 100% of everyone who's ever lived has made a gay joke, but Kevin Hart, a professional comedian, not allowed to do that, so they axed him from the Oscars, and he he was a, a victim of cancel culture without question, and he said, If people want to pull up stuff, go back to the same old tweets, same tweets of old, go ahead. There is nothing I can do. You're looking at a younger version of myself, a comedian trying to be funny and at that attempt failing. I don't don't know that he was failing. Sometimes he failed, sometimes he didn't. Sometimes the jokes were offensive, sometimes they were less offensive. Some of the jokes that were offensive, that are offensive today that weren't then are no longer funny and some of them are. Comedy is a complicated thing. Apologies were made. I understand now how it comes off. I look back and cringe. So it's growth. It's about growth. Here's the money line. When did we get to a point where life was supposed to be perfect? Where people were supposed to operate perfectly all the time? I don't understand. I don't expect perfection from my kids. I don't expect it from my wife and friends and employees because last I checked, the only way you grow up is effing up. I don't know a kid who hasn't effed up or done some dumb stuff. (laughs) Of course, of course he's right. We got to the point where everybody had to be perfect when we abandoned Christianity as our motivating religion in this country. All societies have religious views. That also is inevitable. Just like the inevitability of standards in our speech, the inevitability of some kind of religious view is an eternal fact of, of society. You can take that one to the bank, okay? And when we gave up on the Christian understanding of, of human nature and of society and of our eternal selves, then everybody had to be perfect because then we couldn't make sense of original sin. We've transformed the idea of original sin into this idea of white supremacy or racism. 
which is just a very stupid way of talking about original sin. You, I mean, you hear this, that people will say this explicitly. The president of the United States will say, slavery and racism is America's original sin. And that's just not true. Original sin is America's original sin. And slavery is a bad thing that happened, that was rectified. Sooner here than in most other places, and it existed here for a shorter period of time than virtually anywhere else on earth. And it continues to exist outside of Western civilization, but we are told this is a uniquely American problem. It's just silly. The reason that we think that, though, is because we no longer have a way of grappling with the fact that we are not perfect. We are flawed. The things we want to do, we do not do. The things that we don't want to do, we do because of sin and temptation and the fallenness of man. We, we keep trying to deny that. We're trying to deny death, which is the consequence of sin. We're trying to become, first of all, we've all become neurotic health nuts, but we, we're also trying to deny the possibility of death. You hear all of these futurists talk about how we're going to upload our brains to the clouds and live forever and massively extend our lives. I think it's a fool's errand, but even if you could do it, even if you could find immortality on earth, I wouldn't want it because my view is still, you know, that, that old Christian view, ever ancient, ever new. But because we've lost that now, everybody's got to be perfect. And yet you'll, you'll notice while everybody can get canceled, and a great many people do get canceled, some chosen few, the anointed, the elect of the, the liberal ruling establishment, get a second life. They, they, get, they, they get a whole new a whole new career, a whole new life, such as Katie Hill. So just, just this week, CNN is rehabilitating two sexual deviants, two of the most <laughs> prominently exposed, as it were, sexual deviance in the country. Jeffrey Tubin, that was yesterday, and Katie Hill. Katie Hill was caught having, in a thruple. So thruple, you know, it's, she was in a kind of menage with her husband, or then husband, and one of her staffers. And it wasn't we talk about a totally consensual thing. First of all, if it were a man having an affair with his staffer, that would be massive news, especially if that man were a Republican huge abuse of power. It would be called in, intrinsically sexual harassment, intrinsically compromising uh, consent. But because it's Katie Hill and she's a liberal woman, she gets a pass for it. But then the, the, the staffer woman was apparently really hurt by this whole thing. And especially when Katie Hill broke it off. And it was just, it was very, very ugly, even by the standards of ordinary affairs and, and sexual impropriety. So Katie Hill got, she had got booted. She had to resign from Congress. Now she wants to, to run again. She's trying to cast herself as the victim and CNN is helping her along. You have been leading an effort, uh, since you left Congress to deal with the issue of revenge porn, uh, and, uh, on the violence against women act and really th these issues altogether about what women endure and should not endure. Will you run again? Listen, I, I haven't written anything off. Um, the last two years have, well, year and a half have been really, uh, you know, tragic and important for my family and for me in terms of figuring out what the next steps are. And right now I, I, I need to figure out my role in making sure that this gets passed. Um, helping women run run for and get elected to office. But Literally that, none of that will that matter. Doesn't that make you want to get back in the arena? Uh, you know, I it's, uh, sometimes, but sometimes I wonder, you know, maybe my role is more important uh, on the outside. So I'm, I'm still definitely on that kind of, you know, figuring it out. So Katie Hill is making herself out to be the victim of some great injustice. 
the injustice she says that she was a victim of is being exposed for committing injustices. <laughs> it's, got, it's an amazing trick. You got to be a pretty slick politician to pull this one. We need to stop this revenge porn, whatever you know, revenge porn is if your boyfriend has photos of you or your husband, I guess in this case, has compromising photos of you that they shouldn't be released. Of course, it's very wrong to release these sorts of things. But we have to recognize you shouldn't be doing these sorts of things either. It's not, the, the, the injustice is not just that the husband sh- exposed Katie Hill in many ways uh, for having this affair with her staffer. The injustice is that she had the affair. But that's her private life, Michael. No, it's the same issue with Jeffrey Tubin. The, the problem is not just that he did it in public. The problem is, th- is that he did it in private too. And we need to be willing to say no to certain kinds of private behavior that are destructive and that harm individuals and that harm society. I know we're not allowed to say that anymore. The simplest one, the lowest hanging fruit would be porn. And not just revenge porn, not just child porn, not just other forms of illegal porn that are currently illegal. Porn in general the sort of stuff that Jeffrey Tubin may, may have taken a look or two at. In this country, we have always had laws against porn. We still have them. There are obscenity laws. As recently as 2009, a federal judge sent a pornographer to the clink for four years almost just for obscenity. That's it. He didn't commit any other crime. He wasn't convicted of any other crime. Just for being so obscene, he got sent to the clink. That's good. The, the people who are clamoring to regulate or ban porn outright. You'd think it's some old fuddy-duddy, right? It's not. It's Gen Z. It's not even the millennials. It's Gen Z. It's this younger generation where the millennials at least got to grow up at least for some period of time without internet porn all over the place. Gen Z did not. Gen Z has had devices in their hands since they were three years old. And many have written into this show. I mean, you've heard it in the mailbag and elsewhere of people saying, Michael, I'm 18 years old and porn has ruined my life. They're the ones calling. For it. They have an experience of it. The private actually has some role. And the squishy, very often boomer conservatives will say, well, look, you know, we're just the party of yes. We're the party of yes, do whatever you want. Just don't make me pay for it. <laughs> you know, okay? you can do whatever sick, crazy, Katie Hill, Jeffrey Tubin style stuff you want to do to yourself. Just don't make me pay for it. But that's a very shallow political philosophy. It has very little to do with the broader conservative tradition. And it clearly has not worked. It's just a purely political matter. We've lost ground on basically every major issue in my lifetime. Maybe the answer is to start saying no. See how crazy this is, speaking of girls of ill repute. There's a high school in Sacramento, California, the Performing and Fine Arts High School. They apparently had something of a dress code. It wasn't like you have to wear these uniforms. It was just a a little bit of a dress code saying you can't wear clothing that is too provocative and you can't be exposing yourself all the time. That's that's wrong. So a TikTok has gone viral. We won't play the TikTok. I I might have legal issues if I play this TikTok. Uh, I don't don't know. I haven't seen it. The cops are watching. I I haven't clicked any links. I don't want to watch this. But this sort of thing is going viral. Okay. And... The protest leader says the school principal was going to have an assembly on dress code. So in response, we wore crop tops to protest. It was a day long process. We showed up in crop tops and they started dressing, dress coding people. The dress code is sexist toward women and perpetuates rape culture. It makes 
us very uncomfortable. We as students feel like what we wear is not distracting toward others or affecting anyone's learning environment. So I'm, I'm being only slightly hyperbolic about what these girls were wearing. They weren't wearing anything that would be considered illegal, right? They weren't totally exposing themselves. They were just wearing clothing that is distracting for high school boys. I say this as a former high school boy, okay? And so the school came in and said, no, you can't do that. You got to cover your midriff. You got to, can't, can't do that sort of stuff. What this girl is saying here, we as students feel like what we wear is not distracting toward others. Her perception is just simply false. It is. Okay, I, I actually remember this. Yoga pants were really popular when I was in high school. And I remember I was sitting there taking some standardized test and I, women were wearing, the girls were wearing uh, yoga pants. And I thought, this is an unfair advantage for women on this test. They're going to do better on this test than men because all the boys are going to be distracted by the girls wearing the clothing that's very provocative. And the girls aren't going to be distracted by us. We're not, you know, we're not exactly, uh, you know, attracting their attention right now. That's an unfair advantage. And of course this is true in all of, it's just like the free speech issue. No, so what these girls were wearing is not against the law, but there are standards and you have the right to enforce standards. This is true of clothing. This is true of what you say. This is, this is true of how we live. We need certain boundaries. Those are inevitable. There's always going to be some kind of boundary. The question is, who is going to set them? The consequence of the radical sexual ideology is not just the radical race ideology that you see in critical race theory, but there's a radical sexual ide ideology on campus. The consequence of that is not clarity. It's not discovery. It's not education. It's confusion. There's very, another sad TikTok going around of a gal with dyed hair covered in a rainbow flag who's got a bullhorn and who knows, looks like the middle of nowhere with some friends around her, saying that she has just discovered just this month that she is actually a boy. This is kind of scary because I only realized this a couple of days ago and I've only come out to a few people. I'm a guy. I'm a guy now. Yay! What a strange, I was just thinking, what a strange fact of feminism that feminism has convinced high school girls, you know, the ones with the dress code, to just wear really skimpy outfits. That, that'll show the patriarchy. <laughs> We're just going to wear skimpy outfits. Yeah, take that, boys. Oh, you got us. Wow. Oh, ouch. Stop it. <laughs> no, please, no more. Uh, but that's also convinced women that the, the greatest way that they can express the why am woman hear me roar is to just become guys, is to just take on this idea that men have the only virtues, men men's uh, behaviors and identities are the only things of value. That's, that's what they're, they're suggesting. This, is, this actually happened with feminism, right? Feminism told women in the 1970s that the, the male traits, the masculine values, were the only ones with any worth. And all of the specifically female traits, being nurturing, motherly, caring for 
the, rocking the cradle that rules the world. That's, that's actually completely valueless, which is outrageous and not true. Uh, but now you're seeing it reach its apotheosis, which is that now the girls are actually pretending to be boys. What this girl is participating in is a cult, right? That, that is just a, a cultish behavior where she's saying, no, I'm actually, my spirit is actually different. Myself is only my spirit, not my body. Kooky stuff. Needs to be taken out of the classroom because it's confusing people. You know, an eighth grade girl just uh, bashed a school board over this, over the transgender policy, because she said this is harmful to women, specifically because now we have to, to change with boys in the locker room. Two years ago, I was told policy 1040 was just an umbrella philosophy, and you weren't going to allow boys into the girls' locker rooms. But here you are doing just that. Everyone knows what a boy is, even you. Your proposed policies are dangerous and rooted in sexism. When woke kids asked me, if I was a lesbian or a trans boy because I cut my hair short, it should tell you these modern identities are superficial. My guidance counselor's response to my concerns about bathroom privacy and safety was, well, there are stalls in the bathrooms. Now boys are reading erotica in the classrooms next to girls, and you want to give them access to girls' locker rooms, and you want to force girls to call those boys she. You do this in the name of inclusivity while ignoring the girls who will pay the price. Your policies choose boys' wants over girls' needs. So totally right. Great stuff. Uh, she's very, you know, I, I, I hesitate from playing, you know, these viral clips of children and teenagers because I think generally speaking, I, I don't care what children and teenagers have to say. By definition, they're not particularly wise or educated. Um, this, however, because it was at a political event, it was at a school board meeting and, and she happened to be right on the issue, then I think it's worth playing. Uh, however, it, it goes further than that. Uh, so much of this trans issue is being argued on the right as a matter of the rights of women. You know, the women are losing their bathrooms, they're losing their locker rooms, and now little girls have to change in front of grown men just because Husky Hank decided to call himself Helen last week. That, that is insane, and it's a, it's a good place to begin, but that's not really the argument. Really, the, the, the problem here is not that one group's rights are being infringed by another group's rights. It's not that, well, yes, men have the right to pretend that they're women in the privacy of their own mind, but not in the locker room or whatever. The issue is the reality. It is simply the case that men who put on dresses are not women. You know, there was a, a clip from Jim, Jimmy Kimmel the other day. There's this clip from Jimmy Kimmel and he made a joke about Bruce Jenner. And, and Bruce Jenner was very offended. Here's the joke. If you've been keeping up with Caitlyn, you know that she is running for governor of our state. Caitlyn Jenner Karkashian appeared on The View today <laughs> to uh, promote that. And right off the bat, it did not go great. Welcome back to The View, Caitlyn Jenner. Well, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to be with all the ladies, and especially you. Whoopi, we've been friends forever. Ah. <laughs> Let's hear that noise will be made one more time. Ah. Yeah, then that's just how the interview started. Are we sure that isn't Donald Trump in a Caitlyn Jenner wig? Because I mean, look at this, the resemblance is uncanny. This, uh, they really, they've got all the same kind of moves. Okay, so there, there's the joke and, and uh, Caitlyn, you know, I'm, I'm calling Caitlyn Bruce now, not to be mean, not to, because I want to be cruel or anything. I think it's cruel to pretend that this guy is a woman, and I think it's cruel to indulge that delusion. And Caitlyn's a girl's name, and Bruce is a boy's name, and he, he's, 
he's Bruce Jenner and he might be confused about that and society might be confused, but I don't think it's good for anybody to, to play into that confusion. So Bruce tweets out, last night, Jimmy Kimmel called me Donald Trump with a wig. He obviously believes that trans women are simply men with wigs on. Where is the outrage from the left or the LGBT community? Being woke must be optional if you're a Democrat. That's true. It is. They don't care about the double standard and wokeness is not a standard that I want to go along with. The fact is trans women are men in wigs. And that's just the fact. And that's the reality. And this is part of my fear of a, of a Caitlyn Jenner candidacy is that the right is going to be saying that Democrats are the real transphobes and we're going to adopt this into ourselves. It is not simply a case of rights and one's private matter, not infringing on one's public rights. Reality is the point here. Okay. There, some things are real. Some things are true. We will have standards that either accord more with that truth or, or do not accord with that truth, but there will be some kind of standards. There will be language that we all speak. There will be, or you'll have total social breakdown. There will be things that we all do and recognize. I would like those things to be more in line with reality. And sometimes that means saying no to craziness. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, Joe Biden continues to malfunction on the public stage as Vladimir Putin makes his aggressive intentions clear. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show. 